All right. I am honored to be here. I am grateful to be standing in front of you. And it's been such a great experience so far, so much good energy. I'm grateful for that. So as Matthew said, I'm Jennifer Burris, and I'm just here to talk about being called. I'm going to start with a question. Do you believe that you are magnificent? Do you believe that you are magnificent? I'm not talking about the public you, definitely not talking about social media you. I'm not talking about the perfect selfie. I'm talking about the middle of the night, can't sleep, rewinding the greatest hits of your mistakes you. I'm talking about when you first wake up in the morning and your brain is a little fuzzy and what are the things that you say to yourself? Is that person, do you believe that person is magnificent? And I don't mean are you becoming magnificent or do you hope to be magnificent someday when you accomplish A, B, and C or get yourself together? I mean right now. The good, the funky, the ew of you. Do you believe that you are magnificent? Please hold that thought up here in a cool blue thought bubble and hold on to it. Why does it matter though? Connecting to your magnificence is the only way to fulfill your calling with any hope of peace and contentment. Connecting to your magnificence is the only way to authentically look into another human being's eyes and recognize their value and worth. So hold on to that. Genesis 1 tells us that we are created in God's image. Not that we look like God, but then in a much deeper sense that we might reflect the nature and character of God. And that God might be known by what God created. And it's by way of illustration, we're going to show something. When you see this image, no matter what you think about this product, you know who created it. Is this true or false? Just shout out who made this. Very good. Now, who's thinking Steve Jobs? Right? All right. All right. Going deep there. Going deep. You know by this, where it came from. Next. All right, all right. And you might have positive feelings about this company, or you might have negative feelings about this company, but as soon as you see it, you know where it came from. Interestingly, Starbucks included the word Starbucks in their logo until, so from 1971 to 2011. And after that, they knew they had us. They didn't need any words. As soon as you see this, you know what it means. Next. And again, you might have, you might love this company, you might not love this company, but as soon as you see it, you know what it is. Next. So, in this way, we are called to reflect God's nature and character. And when I say we, I mean all y'all. So do you have a pulse? You're called. Now, how do I know this? Ironically, at this Christian youth conference, I'm going to use the Bible to support my points. Here we go. These are in your your booklet. 
First Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation of people belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of the one who brought you out of darkness. That's First Peter 2.9. Now, as often as the case, here we are in the New Testament with Peter actually referencing something from the Old Testament, from Isaiah, a book of prophecy, Isaiah 61.6. You will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of God. Exodus 19.6. This is God talking to Moses. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And then we go fast, 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 fast forward to Revelation, very end of the Bible. We have some words from John. Chapter 1, verse 6. To him who loves us, has freed us from our sins, has made us a kingdom, priests to serve his God and Father. And finally, Revelation 5.10, you have made them to be a kingdom, priests to serve our God. So it's in the beginning, it's in the middle, and it's at the end. It's kind of compelling that we are called to be a priesthood, a kingdom to serve God. Well, then how do I know that we are magnificent? Again, I'm going to use the Bible. This may be a story you've heard. It's a creation story. You've probably heard it many times. We're going to do a brief review. Genesis chapter 1. So first chapter. Verse 4. God makes the light. And God says, it is good. Next slide. The word good in Hebrew is tov. Verse 10. God makes the land, the sea, the sky. And he says, it is good. Tov. Verse 12. Vegetation, plants, trees, good. Verse 18, day, night, sun, moon, all really cool things. And God calls it tov, good. Verse 21, sea life and birds, good, tov. Verse 25, all land creatures, and God calls them good, tov. Then verse 26 through 29 explains that humankind is created. God says, let us create them in our image, male and female. And only in verse 31, when you, when humankind is in God's creation, does God finally utter the words, tov me'od. Next slide. Very good. Please let this sink in. The most beautiful sunsets, the most beautiful sunrise, the beach, the ocean, the forest, wherever you have been outside that you have thought was beautiful, you are more beautiful than that. So, next slide. We are magnificent, and we are called to a priesthood. Hmm. It would be ignorant at best and cruel at worst for me not to acknowledge that persons with the title priest and minister and other have abused, devastatingly so, our brothers and sisters. Innumerable persons with the title priest and minister and others have equated priesthood with power and ministry with ultimate authority and in this mindset have committed abominable acts of violence against our sisters and our brothers. So if you are sitting in this room right now and you have a problem with the word priest or minister, I'm right there with you. And I would like to work to reclaim those words. 
So priest, what does it mean? The Hebrew origins of the word priest is one who offers sacrifices. Synonyms of priest are friend, servant, and worker. From the Oxford Hebrew Dictionary, priests were the mediators of God's presence and responsible for the day-to-day activities of the temple. Priests were an access point to God. When God called priests to be priests, he did it to have a relationship with his people. Priests were never meant to be bodyguards or bouncers or to keep people away from God. They were meant to bring people to God. If you want to read all about the duties of the priests, you can peruse Exodus and Leviticus for a very interesting reading. There are a lot of details in there about the original priests. Matthew 27:51 tells us that when Jesus was on the cross and he died, the moment that his spirit left his body, the temple veil was split in two. What this symbolizes to us is that no longer do we need a mediator to experience God's presence, but that we were all welcome to experience God's presence and to invite others to experience God's presence. And this is the true calling of the priesthood, is to be an access point. It is to be an access point to God, not to power grab. It is to reflect God's nature and character, not to bully or lord over other humans. Our calling is to elevate the dignity of our neighbor and ourselves and to remind one another of our endless worth and value. So, how do we do this, though? Because it's easy to talk about when you're sitting in a comfortable seat and you're about to eat a great lunch. It's really easy to talk about it. But it's hard to do. So where... From where we are right now, how can we fulfill our calling as a royal priesthood? First, let us consider God's character and nature. The character and nature of God is well described throughout the Bible. But a pastor named A.W. Tozer summarizes it very neatly in the following passage. The goodness of God disposes God to be kind and cordial, benevolent, full of goodwill toward humanity, tender-hearted, of quick sympathy, and an unfailing attitude toward all mortal beings that is open, frank, and friendly. By God's nature, God is inclined to bestow blessedness and takes holy pleasure in the happiness of people. Hmm. If this is not the image of God that you have, we have failed you. And I am sorry for that. Please keep looking for the benevolent, tender-hearted, quick sympathy, merciful God. Please keep looking. You will find that God. How you do that? Spend time in prayer. Be in nature. Spend time with your friends who lift you up, your mentors, your youth leaders. Keep searching for the beautiful, benevolent God that we serve. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This God, he can be found. Please keep looking. Next, 
we consider Jesus' example. Yes, God put us on this planet to reflect God's nature. And Jesus, we have some cheat sheets. So Jesus came and actually did the stuff. Jesus was the ultimate priest. He was an access point to God. Of course he had a leg up because he also was God, but still also fully man. He was radical in his invitation to people to know God. Were you Jewish? Great, you're invited. Are you Greek? Great, you're invited. Were you a woman? Which we have learned was not the top of the food chain by any means. Are you woman? Great, you are invited. Have you done some messed up stuff? Great, you are invited. Jesus is radical in who he invited to meet God. It was scandalous. Jesus is an access point to God. Jesus reflected God's character. His kindness and tenderheartedness toward children, people who were sick, people who were discarded by society is written over and over in the New Testament. Jesus is of quick sympathy. Matthew 9 is a full chapter of Jesus going from place to place, not in an Uber, on foot, in the dusty Middle East, right? Place to place, performing miracles. Many, many, many things. He touched many people, healed them, listened to their pains. And toward the end of the chapter, in verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he was moved to compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited. The Greek origin of that word compassion means to feel in your guts. Jesus felt in his guts the pain of his people after a full day of healing. I work as a nurse practitioner, and I see patients all day long, and being compassionate is really important in my job. And I have to say, after a full day of seeing patients, my compassion starts to go down. All right? Jesus, nope, out in the hot, dusty desert day after day, and his compassion is still way up here. Jesus elevated the dignity of others. I'm so happy for Susie to highlight the woman at the well story. That is an amazing example of Jesus elevating the dignity of somebody that society had said, nope, you don't belong here. And there's many stories in the Bible of Jesus elevating the dignity of others. So Jesus gave us an example, all right? So how do we lean into our calling to be a priesthood? We consider God's nature We consider Jesus' example, and then we lean into our magnificence. Next slide. Okay, I I hope you can see this. This is a screenshot. I had been working on this talk for a a while, and then last Saturday, I was at Brouhaha, because that is the satellite campus of Brandywine Valley Baptist Church, and um, I I said to my, I had this magnificence. I was really churning with it. And I decided to, like, look it up, what it meant, you know. And what is there for me but the words, very good. And I had one of those moments where you're like, this is real. This is real. Oh, my gosh. So we lean into our, next slide, we lean into our magnificence. We believe in our goodness. We believe that God says very good when he looks at us. 
We believe that while we are lacking perfection, we are infinitely valuable. While we are not getting it right every time, our worth never goes down. You are imperfectly magnificent, and I just want you to feel this. The world will try to beat this out of you. If it allows you to believe you're magnificent, it will be either for some performance that you are able to give, product that you are able to produce, or some other way of performing. Believe that it's way inside. Connecting to this magnificence is the only way to fulfill your calling with any hope of peace and contentment. Yes, you can be great, even while you swim in an ocean of self-hatred. I know this. You can be efficient, productive, and accomplish amazing things even while berating yourself and telling yourself that you are stupid, that you are not good enough. You can be awesome while trying to earn the love that was freely given to you in the first chapter of the book that we claim to live by. All of these things are possible even while you hate yourself. But once you know you are loved, there is nothing that you cannot do. Once you know that God calls you very good every day, you will know that your interests, your strengths, your weaknesses, your personalities, and its flaws all create a beautiful mosaic by which God's nature is reflected. Your talents, your gifts, your quirkiness needed right now. Your struggles and your fears and your weird viewpoint are all essential for seeing humanity in your neighbor. When we are trying so hard to be perfect, we reject anything that reminds us of imperfection. We avoid people who struggle because we are pretending that we do not indeed struggle. So when we fully embrace our own in perfect magnificence, we can, then we can hope to embrace our neighbor. And isn't this what Jesus asked us to do? Love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is our holy calling. What does being a priest look like in 2019? I'm going to show some examples of people that have, I have uh, just become aware of or have uh, influenced me in some way. And I hope that you'll think of your own examples, too. Next slide. This is Candace Payne. Last month, and she's a real estate agent in Chicago. Last month, it was 40 below in Chicago. It was colder in Chicago than it was in Antarctica. And this woman said... There are people that I know who have no place to live. They are struggling with homelessness. On her credit card, she purchased a hotel rooms and then on her Instagram asked people to help. She started with 30 hotel rooms, ended up with 60. She started with one night, she ended up with several nights. And then she organized people with cars and SUVs to go pick people up. This is what a modern day priest looks like. She elevates the dignity of her neighbors. Next slide. This is Joshua Coombs. Oh, follow him on Instagram. Um, his project is called Do Something for Nothing. He's the one on the right. 
he is a barber. That is his gift. What he does is he travels all over the world and he interacts with people who are experiencing homelessness, other struggles that make their life very unstable. And he gives them a haircut. And I chose this picture because this is a good haircut. Do you see he's got clips in his hair? He's got the neck thing. It's a real haircut. Have you ever gotten a life-changing haircut? Thank you. Yes. 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 This happened to me last Saturday. Yes. A haircut can change how you see yourself and how other people see you. Joshua Coombs doesn't swoop in, next side, and just cut somebody's hair and leave. He hangs out. He talks. He elevates the dignity. He amplifies the voices of people that society does not want to hear. Next slide. This is Savannah Carmu. She is 13, knows that she wants to be a cardiologist, and when she was eight, started a program in her community to emphasize nutrition and exercise. Now, off the top of your head, nutrition and exercise doesn't seem very Christian-y, right? But staying alive is very Christian-y, okay? So she amplifies and elevates the health of others. This is what a priest in 2019 looks like. Next slide. This is Anne Lamott. She is an author. She writes beautiful books. Also, like, sarcastically funny, too. Um, She has a lot of opinions. She was an access point to God for me personally. I knew about God ever since I was little. I met Jesus when I was 14. It wasn't until I read one of this woman's books in 2006, when I was 22 years later, that I finally felt there was a place for me in God's family. I finally felt like I was okay and I could be in this family. Anne Lamott was an access point to God for me. Next slide. This is Jordan, Jaden, sorry, Arnold. Uh, he's, a, he's a middle schooler. He has Tourette's and he has a lot of tics. And for this, he was bullied mercilessly. And so from that, he developed a foundation, an anti-bullying foundation. He took his pain and his struggles and the things that people said were wrong with him, and he used them to make life better for someone else. That is what a priest looks like. And finally, the next slide. This is Brian Stevenson. He is a lawyer. He has a book out called Mercy, uh, Just Mercy. Read it if you want your heart to be broken. He studied philosophy, and when he graduated from college, he realized that you don't make really uh, enough money to support yourself being a philosopher. So, but he had a, a deep, lifelong interest in racial inequality, poverty, and this is a quote, the struggle to be equitable and fair with each other. And so he went to law school, and now he spends his life elevating the dignity of men and women that have been wrongly imprisoned, many on death row. This man has saved the lives of innocent humans. This is what a priest looks like in 2019. The danger of me showing you these pictures is that if none of this clicks with you, you know what I mean, if it's not something that you might be interested in or something you can see yourself doing, then it's easy to just be like, not me. I don't see how I fit in. So this next slide is for you. You, all right? This is what the priesthood looks like right here. A holy nation uh, to be access points to God, 
to reflect God's nature and character of being tender-hearted and merciful, quick to be sympathetic, and to elevate the dignity of each other. There is a place... Next slide. There is a place in this work for you, just as you are, the way that you are made. Start there. Connect to your magnificence that you can fulfill your calling with peace and contentment. Connect to your magnificence so that you can recognize the magnificence in the person sitting next to you. I am going to end this with a benediction that was written by St. Teresa of Avila. I feel like it's Italian, so I'm like, Avila, St. Teresa of Avila. All right, so just, um, I just hope that these words will just like rain down on you. May today there be peace within. May you trust God that you are exactly where you were meant to be. May you not forget the infinite possibilities that are born of faith. May you use the gifts that you have received and the love that has been given to you. May you be content knowing that you are a child of God. And let this peace settle into your bones. Allow your soul the freedom to sing, dance, praise, and live. It is there for each and every one of us. Amen. You guys are awesome.